an oddly mesmerizing display. I got Omen's Podvik, written by the wolf and trapped by Chap. Chapter 2 After the closing remarks, the winners of the auction were invited closer to the stage and herded through a side door, down a hall, and into a green room. There, Beelzebub stripped at least three layers of metaphorical skin from the group, while covering what a winning bid did and did not guarantee. Your money has secured one compatibility date and provisional acceptance of a heat date contract. Anything else must be negotiated to you and your date's mutual comfort and satisfaction. If at any time you or your partner decide to call things off, you will submit to an interview by the Alpha Omega Cycle Support Alliance, or be subject to fines and a ban from future sponsored auctions. And if any, any wrongdoing is suspected by either party, we will be referring your situation to the proper authorities. They grinned with all of their teeth. And that's before a contract might be entered into. You're all adults. I'm sure you're aware what a breach of a limited-term cycle partner consent and safety contract can entail. Crowley wasn't entirely impressed by the speech. All the laws and scare tactics in the world couldn't get around the reality that taking a partner during heat was an incredibly vulnerable business and the world was full of no shortage of assholes. It was a risk both sides were prepared to take, however, if they'd made it even this far. Still, Beelzebub looked like the kind of person who both took their job seriously and enjoyed holding a grudge. If they said any funny business would have consequences, Crowley was inclined to believe them. When the shovel talk was concluded, there was payment and paperwork to take care of. By the time they were guided to the reception room hosting the post-auction mixer, the event was in full swing. Gabriel muscled his way to the DJ table and commandeered a mic to announce the arrival of the winners to polite applause. From around the room, heads raised as the performers took the announcement as their signal to break off whatever conversations they'd been a part of and make their way over. Crowley tucked his hands in his jacket pockets and deliberately turned his face away. Somehow the talk and the paperwork and everything hadn't made any of it seem real. But he knew once he caught a glance of white blonde hair in the crowd, it would hit him. he just bought a date with a bastard magician alpha. Instead, she surveyed the room, eyeing the crush of bodies clustered around standing tables, browsing the refreshment tables, and shuffling with more enthusiasm than skill on the temporary dance floor at the back of the room. Even with the tastefully disguised air filters he could spot mounted in the walls and ceiling whirring at full blast, the air was cloying with scents made more pungent with excitement and hunger. The fog of it tried to crawl up Crowley's nose, and he breathed shallowly through his mouth and stabbed. Hello, a posh voice said at his elbow, and Crowley snapped his head back around. Fell was standing before him, still decked out in his magician's garb, smiling hopefully. Up close, Crowley was treated to a whole symphony of micro-expressions as the other man held out a hand to shake. There was happiness brimming in the wide stretch of his lips, but a wrinkle of caution in his brow. 
His scent wafted into Crowley's face a moment later. He couldn't smell it precisely, since he was breathing through his mouth, but there was a hint of spiced warmth curling over his tongue, like he was breathing in the vapors of a finely aged whiskey. A Seraphim fell at your service, or, I suppose, provisionally at your service, should we get on. It's very nice to meet you. For a moment, Crowley thought about putting on one of his faces, coy but flattered, flirty and sly, distant but intrigued. There were many ways to be a normal Omega, and Crowley was used to putting the airs on and taking them back off again, whatever the situation demanded. But however much of a transaction this was, it was one where he wouldn't have the upper hand in the thick of it, when he was stripped bare in all kinds of potentially humiliating ways. Before it got that far, and he had no choice but to trust, he needed to offer a dram of it in advance to see how it was treated, no matter how much the necessity made him squirm. Likewise, Crowley muttered, not offering a hand back. A brief nuzzle to the sand gland on a wrist was traditional in a courtship, but Crowley had always been annoyingly sensitive, and he didn't want that sort of jolt here and now. Fell glanced down at the space where Crowley's hand conspicuously wasn't, and drew his back to lace with his other across his belly, without comment or challenge. Good. The other man searched Crowley's face for a long moment, before taking in the rest of him, the clothes, the posture, and no doubt his scent, by the way, he parted his lips slightly and took in a deep but otherwise discreet breath through nose and mouth. Crowley was just standing, hip-cocked and hands on his jacket, not particularly tense, but not relaxed either, and wondered what fell saw. Seeming to come to a decision, Fell drew himself up a little straighter, a little squarer around the shoulders, and met Crowley's eyes boldly. Forgive me if this is too blunt, but you don't appear to be very interested in a flirtation with me. I thought earlier, but that's no matter, of course. He shook his head to himself a little. Shall I simply say a heartfelt thank you for saving me from complete humiliation and we leave it at that? Or are you truly interested in agreeing to a compatibility date and the possibility of whatever arrangement might follow if we are of an accord? Crowley's eyebrows winked up high on his face and he leaned down a little taking a cautious sniff through his nose to catch Fell's full, fresh scent. Warmed by skin and the excitement of the evening, Crowley could almost feel the umami richness of almond and chocolate melting on his tongue, the hot note of spirits in the back of his throat. Yeah, that was enticing. It made him wonder what it would feel like to take a pinch of skin just below Fell's ear and hold it secure in his teeth, whether Fell might like to return the gesture. Crowley wasn't sure, not yet, whether he'd like it or not, but it was promising that he was even considering it. You can tell I'm not interested like that, he asked, curious. Anathema swore up and down there was a certain spice to ascend when someone was interested, mouth-watering if you reciprocated. Crowley thought he knew what she meant. There was a burn sometimes when people looked at him, when their eyes travelled over him in a particular way where 
with a particular smile, but he'd never found it mouth-watering. Fell looked mildly outraged. Of course I can. All evidence to the contrary, I'm not entirely hopeless. He smoothed down his waistcoat and checked the fall of his cuffs in an alpha's reflexive need to preen when stressed. Rowley felt a pang of guilt and reminded himself this was an alpha who just cocked up an attempted courtship display and was now facing an omega who seemed, by typical standards, unmoved by his suit. Of course he'd assume it was a pity bit. I didn't mean it like that, he grumbled and nudged the foot he wasn't putting his weight on forward until the tip just touched the shiny nose of one of Fell's shoes. Fell glanced down and then back up in confusion, but he didn't move his foot away. I'm afraid you have me at a disadvantage then, because, as much as it pains me to admit, I am not entirely sure what you desire from me. This. He fluttered a wake hand in the air to indicate, Crowley thought, the auction in general. Crowley shrugged. Why else come people to events like this and bid? But seeing the slightly frustrated pinch to Fell's brow, he flashed a small smile and decided to put him out of his misery. I'm asexual. That's why you're not picking anything up from me. I'm not feeling anything like that right now. It was Fell's turn to look surprised. Oh, but... He cut himself off. Crowley watched in fascination as his eyes narrowed slightly and he raked his gaze back over Crowley in a decidedly calculating manner. Asexual and in search of a heat date. And I caught your interest. Abruptly, he grinned and shuffled his shoulders in a pleased wiggle. Well... I won't lie and say I know quite what to expect. I've never had a close relationship with someone who is nice. But I'm keen to move forward if you are. Yeah? Of course. He faltered a bit and then said more delicately, Forgive the presumption if I'm off the mark. But I would think it not entirely different from dating someone who simply has a particular set of tastes. Less assumptions and more discussion? Crowley considered that. Yeah, that's fair. Jolly good. He gave a tiny little fist bump of victory, and Crowley fought the urge to hunch and look around to see if anyone had noticed. Why did the first alpha Crowley had met in more years than he cared to count, who seemed like a promising date, have to be so... so much? Crowley shifted his weight uncomfortably. There's a bench in St. James for the duck pond. The one by the ice cream trolley. We could meet there tomorrow and... Bell's eyes took on a mischievous glint. Have I a date? He asked with a truly embarrassing amount of innuendo for a phrase that was literally just a statement of fact. Crowley gargled a few outraged protests, but nodded. Reluctantly, he also fished around in his inner jacket pocket and retrieved one of his own sand cards offering it in the space between them by the tips of his fore and middle fingers. Fell took the free end of the card in both hands and bowed over it briefly as he accepted. Bloody hell! He handed over a proper card of his own with the usual contact information intact with the same amount of old-fashioned gentility. Crowley gritted his teeth through the flush the whole production inspired. Until tomorrow, fair Mr. Crowley, Bell said gallantly, 
obviously just barely holding himself back from extending his hand again for a farewell gesture. Crony appreciated the restraint and the obvious attention to detail respecting Crowley's implied boundaries, enough so that he offered, It's just Crowley, and yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, for our date. The tea was perhaps a little too crisp for the nonchalance he was going for, but fell glowed with obvious delight at the concession all the same. Crowley arrived at their meeting spot absurdly early. He was pretty sure if he arrived second and saw Fell waiting for him, there was a high probability he would chicken out and flee with a flimsy excuse sent over text. If he got there early enough to chuck peas and grapes at the ducks, well, then he wasn't getting there for the date. He was there to feed the ducks, and with his attention tightly focused, Fell would have a sporting chance of sneaking up on him before his flight response kicked in. The upshot was, of course, that he was so tense and wound up in his own head that the sound of someone discreetly clearing their throat just to his right made him yelp and flinch. Peace and grapes cascaded to the ground, much to the quacking, flapping delight of the nearby ducks. Oh, dear me, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to startle you, felt sad, and he was close enough that Crowley could smell the almond bits of his scent turn smoky with sympathetic alarm. Crowley wrinkled his nose as the damp earth and moss within his own scent soured into all the rotting foliage. Well, fuck. This wasn't a great start. Hell shuffled closer, gripping the brim of a ridiculous furred top hat, glancing down at the open spot on the bench next to Crowley. Would you like a hark? Something to settle you. Me as well, if I'm being completely honest. I am very sorry. He appreciated that Aziraphale asked and didn't just assume, but actually, yeah. He was a touch-stuffed bastard at the best of times, and the alpha smelled incredible, usually, so he wasn't about to look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, he croaked and lifted his near arm up in invitation. Aziraphale's face melted into a trembling smile, and he quickly set the hat on the bench and tucked himself into Crowley's side. He twined his arms around Crowley's waist and hugged him close, resting his curly head on Crowley's shoulder, but staying politely away from the sand gland on his neck. Crowley froze for a moment, shocked that an alpha would so easily take the role of the little spoon and a hug, would so readily assume that was what Crowley was trying to signal when he raised his arm. But then Aziraphale's scent, much sweeter now, wafted up into his nose, and the warmth and pressure of the hug started melting Crowley's, from the outside in. With a sigh containing a lot more wine than he was willing to admit to, Crowley lowered his arm around Aziraphale's shoulder and trailed the alpha in. Oh, that's much better, Aziraphale sighed in return. My dear, you smell like a garden, he observed with obvious delight. Crowley felt his ears heat with a blush. Like your son, too, he muttered. Aziraphale hummed with smug pleasure, which Crowley found more endearing than he really wanted to, and gave Crowley a final squeeze around the middle before slowly drawing back. Not the most promising start to our date, 
but I think we managed a respectable safe, Aziraphale observed dryly. His eyes were smiling, gently inviting Crowley to find the situation humorous rather than embarrassing. The sentiment was so close to what Crowley had been thinking earlier, but with the emotional score flipped on his head, that he couldn't help smiling back. A world-class hawk can salvage anything, he agreed. His hand was still resting on the middle of Aziraphale's back, and Aziraphale's fingertips were just brushing the outside edge of his knee and he was hyper-aware of the warm points of contact. Now that he was a bit more settled, he snuck a quick glance over the rest of the Alpha's outfit. So far, only the fluffy hat had stuck out, and it turned out that was for a reason. The outfit was rather subdued for an Alpha. A suit in creams and beige, a pale blue shirt with a grey velvet waistcoat, a smattering of tasteful gold accessories, and a tartan cravat. Nothing appeared new. The waistcoat in particular looked well loved, and there wasn't much flesh to the whole presentation. Aziraphale hummed in agreement, and then tapped his fingers against Crowley's knee. And how are you today, my dear? Uh, Crowley said, bobbling his head from side to side a bit as he eyed the Alpha's overall lackluster plumage. He couldn't say he was surprised this was Aziraphale's idea of a date outfit, not after the performance last night, but it was a little disappointing for his fashion-loving heart. Not... Not really sure what to expect, if I'm being honest. Last partner I had for Heats was already an acquaintance when we started helping each other out, and that was a very long time ago. God, two decades at least. He and Patrice had been cycle buddies for a few years before she fell in love with her now wife. After that, he'd taken care of himself for a few years, before deciding the whole thing was too much bother, and had started using suppressants. That's quite all right, my dear. I've done my share of heat dates in between relationships, so I like to think I have a good system for easing us both into it all. His smile passed smugly, and he wriggled. Then he reached into his inside jacket pocket and pulled out a small, cloth-bound notebook and pen. Crowley stared. Aziraphale, oblivious, unkept the pen, a fountain pen, Satan's tits, and daintily licked a finger to flip through to the next clean page of her notebook. Are you... Are you going to take notes? Crowley demanded. Obviously, Aziraphale said and grinned. We'll be discussing a whole host of preferences and boundaries, naturally, but I also like to be prepared when I show up for heat support with any appropriate toys or goodies if I can. That's a lot of details to keep track of. He caught himself and amended. Should we both decide to move forward with the date, of course? Of course, Crowley echoed, feeling a little wrong-footed. Would he look like a knob if he didn't take notes, too? Okay, so, the first thing I think we should discuss is how your asexuality will inform how we, um, come together. I did some more pointed research earlier this morning, and I'm given to understand there's a wide spectrum of experiences. However much you wish to share about your own expression, I would be greatly pleased to listen and learn. He looked at Crowley expectantly, back straight, knees together, and bloody fountain pen 
hoist over the blank notebook page. Oh, no! Crowley clenched his jaw against a faint flutter of warmth in his chest. Grimly, he used the cover of his sunglasses to glare at the faded waistcoat. But no. Now he was wondering how the soft, skin-warmed velvet might feel against his cheeks and lips if he were to press his face into the other's plush chest. The outfit wasn't eye-catching or pristine, but it looked lived-in, comfortable, with every seam steeped in almond sweet vanilla warmth. Oh, the bastard wasn't going for flesh. He was going for soft. Nk. Sorry, what was that? Aziraphale asked, leaning toward Crowley with an earnest expression. The small gold hoops and studs adorning his ears flashed in the sunlight and drew attention, as they were no doubt meant to, to the hint of bare neck visible between the Alpha's jaw and the folds of his cravat. The skin was probably warm and represent, and he had the urge to just shove his nose into the crease and take a nap. Shit, this was embarrassing. Crowley tore his gaze away and stared pointedly at the ducks toddling around the shore of the pond. It took a few false starts, like yanking the chain of a cranky lawnmower, but he eventually found his words again. I'm sex-favorable, obviously. I already told you that. But I don't often... He flapped his free hand in the air, ending in a confusingly lewd gesture. Don't have many urges. Going into heat is a real kick in the ass in that respect. Aziraphale nodded, expression suspiciously blank, and dutifully jotted down a quick note. Crowley wrestled with his face, so he wouldn't sneer too obviously, and slouched back even further against his corner of the bench. Look, I'll just be blunt, all right? I'm a lot of work. You have to make an effort to get me going, and even more to get me off. I'm not going to take one look at your massive alpha dong and start leaking, or any of the usual nonsense. Can't just not me and call it a heat well managed. And it's no use taking it personal, because it really isn't you. No one's anything as arousing to me. So, if that sounds like too much, or you don't think you can deal with it, then I'd rather we have it out now, while there's still time for me to find someone else. Aziraphale shot him a mightily reproving look for his tone, because Crowley had a tone, no doubt about it. He wished he could say it was entirely on purpose. He swallowed hard and ignored the flush heating his ears, and the back of his neck. At some point in his little tirade, the hand he'd still had resting against Aziraphale's back had flopped over the back of the bench and ended up clenching in a fist. The alpha tapped a finger against the open page of his notebook and then shifted so he was angled so he could face Crowley more easily. Crowley held his aggressively at ease pose. I appreciate your candor, Zerophyte said, was clear and just a little stern. I must say I feel a certain amount of unfavorable judgment in the way you just spoke to me, but I find I cannot take offense. It sounds as though you faced unfavorable judgment and quite a lot of disappointment yourself in the past. However, as I do not like to be judged on anyone else's actions but my own, I would humbly request that you extend me a bit of grace. Why should I? Crowley shot back, 
quickly. He was starting to feel guilt, trying to undermine his stubborn defensiveness. Soon, it was going to start seeping into his scent, the floral notes betraying him with an undercurrent of decay. And he wanted to get through this next bit before the alpha scented weakness. Aziraphale rolled his eyes. My dear boy, because I am a sure thing. What? With a prissy hop, the alpha crossed one leg over the other. In all honesty, if I had been in your shoes last evening, I wouldn't have spent fifty dollars on me. Not after that fiasco of a performance. I normally recite Shakespeare, you know, or do some audience work, matching people's stated features or stated preferences to lines of poetry. It's not show-stopping work, but I can usually command a respectable bit amount. But Eric wanted to try his new audience work limericks act, and it seemed a little too close in style. And, well, it was his first auction, and I had been practicing my magic exhibition anyway, so he fiddled with the fountain pen for a moment before fixing Crowley with a soft, chagrined expression. You saved me from a most ignoble fate for an alpha, my dear. And while I know I'm not the most traditional of alphas, I do have some pride. Which means I am prepared to indulge you in just about any fashion you desire. He smiled a little bittersweet, but also unmistakably hopeful. Well, shit. Crowley groaned and felt the defensive tension ooze out of him all at once, leaving him limp on the bench, head resting on the back and tipped toward the sky. He sneered at the puffy clouds, looked like the alpha's bloody hair they did, and it was all becoming just a little intolerable that nothing, nothing, seemed to be putting a dent in the romantic crush he was developing. It wasn't that bad, he muttered after a full minute of glaring at the sky. Aziraphale tossed. I was there, if you recall, quite literally center stage. Well, yeah, the magic wasn't any good, but you... You kept going, thought on your feet, turned the whole thing around, took a lot of guts, took a lot of brains. He gritted his teeth for a moment and took a deep breath before admitting, I... I like him clever. He couldn't see the alpha's expression from this position but he could certainly smell it when his scent spiked with chocolatey warmth. Oh, you do, do you? Aziraphale said, voice bright with surprised delight. Shut it. I normally recite Shakespeare, he mimicked poorly. With that voice of yours, in the normal order of things, you know exactly what you're about, I'll wager. Aziraphale's answering hum was 100% smug alpha. And do you like voices? he asked, and there was a rustle of paper as Crowley assumed he picked his notebook back up. Crowley rolled his eyes and finally tipped his head to the side so he could see the alpha properly again. What do you mean? Do I like voices? Don't find bodies arousing, but how about voices? Or auditory stimulation, I mean. For example, narration, or dirty talk, praise, something of that nature. No Shakespeare monologues while you're not me. I don't care how many dick jokes he wrote. That surprised a bright laugh from Aziraphale. His expression sharpened 
naughty-looking grin. Would you prefer another part? Crowley couldn't help the answering smile that tucked the corners of his mouth up. The effort's joy was infectious. Nah, I don't typically get much out of dirty talk. I like some natural enthusiasm, but more deliberate lines always hit me a bit silly. Aziraphale made a big production of narrating. No dirty talk, as he noted the preference in his book. What do you like, then? he asked. This time, Crowley let himself believe in the genuine curiosity he heard in the air for stone, to trust the attentiveness of his gaze and pleased warmth of his scent. So he told him. By the time Aziraphale had filled several pages of his notebook, it was getting on toward lunch. The Ephah's stomach crawled audibly, and he blushed before offering a sheepish apology. Crowley just smirked and fatalistically noted how cute he looked when plastered. Well, that seems like a natural stopping point for the moment. I wouldn't want to take up any more of your time, Aziraphale said, as he carefully tucked his notebook and pen back into his suit jacket. Crowley shrugged. He honestly wasn't fast, which was a pleasant surprise. There were very few people he enjoyed spending this much time around, and he could count the number of efforts on one hand with several fingers to spare. Even after a couple of intense hours of covering a whole range of topics like favorite foods, drinks, toys, positions, boundaries, and what not, he wasn't feeling fatigued. If anything, he was feeling more at ease. Even the tartan pattern on the Alpha's cravat was starting to look more charmingly eccentric instead of unbearably twee. Doesn't have to be, he offered. Could I tempt you to lunch? Aziraphale startled and looked back at Crowley with wide eyes. Oh, you would want that? Sure, you're good company. He hesitated as it occurred to him that the Alpha might have been putting a pretty face on his own need to retreat. Don't have to if you need to get on. The hat made a reappearance, if only so Aziraphale could fidget with the brim again. It is true that we still haven't come to an agreement about whether we are comfortable with moving forward with the heat date. He sounded like he was trying to convince someone but Crowley could practically see him vibrating in his seat with hopeful anticipation. Crowley frowned. Did he still think that Crowley wasn't? Well, Crowley had given him the third degree earlier. I'm agreeing, he blurted out. I've already made up my mind, I mean. Gonna let you take care of me for my heat. He fought the urge to sink under the bench with embarrassment. It was a traditional phrase, but he always felt like a tool when he leaned into his more omega instincts. Aziraphale, for his part, looked like Crowley had hit him across the face with a large fish. Then he blinked rapidly a few times, cleared his throat and trained his gaze on the fur of his hat. It would be my honor, he said, sounding a little wobbly. Crowley stamped down his initial burst of panic. Was he about to cry? Bloody hell, for all he talked a good game about having had plenty of heat dates and fetching good auction prices, Crowley was beginning to suspect Aziraphale was rather more used to rejection or possibly more devastating resignation than enthusiasm from his partner. The thought grabbed him by the heart and squeezed. 
Before he could think about it overmuch, he thrust his wrist out under Xerophil's nose and wiggled it a bit. Go on, then, he said, gruff. Aziraphil gazed at the hand and wrist on offer with a slack jaw for a moment, before he spared Crowley a quick glance for reassurance and reverently cradled Crowley's hand in his palms. You will not regret placing your trust in me, he said, sounding more sure of himself, and raised Crowley's hand to lightly brush his lips over the sand gland on Crowley's wrist and take a slow, deliberate inhale through mouth and nose. The contact was butterfly wing soft, but Crowley had always had sensitive glands. Heat zipped through him, and he could smell his own scent deepen slightly, with a hint of sweet mint and wet earth. Aziraphale's breath caught in his throat, and he looked up sharply to catch Crowley's gaze. Crowley grimly met the intensity of it as he fought the urge to scrum. A tiny anticipatory smile bloomed on Aziraphale's face as his own scent heated, whiskey sharp and kind. He didn't press his advantage, though. He simply gave Crowley's hand a crowning squeeze and withdrew with the pleased grace of a cat who got the cream. Well, that was definitely Crowley buggered in every possible way. Aziraphale insisted on taking him to a nearby sushi place he guaranteed Crowley would like. He gallantly offered an arm for Crowley to take as they made the short stroll to the restaurant, but Crowley was feeling a little too picky after the wrist business and declined with a short shake of his head. Crowley tried to quash the perverse annoyance that Aziraphale took the refusal in cheerful stride. He should be pleased by the lack of red flags, but at this stage he'd almost prefer a stumbling block or two, if only to slow the unexpected tumble down a slippery slope of peelings he already found himself sliding down. When they arrived, Crowley was unsurprised to discover that the staff and chef greeted Aziraphale like a regular, and equally unsurprised if chagrined that the hostess took one look between them and led them to their most romantic table, whatever that meant, with a blinding smile. Securing the heat date had Aziraphale literally tickled pink. And if the pleased flush to his cheeks and beaming smile, as he dramatically waved Crowley in ahead of him, with a purring, after you, wasn't enough to paint a pretty clear picture, the fact that he floated in on a cloud of boozy bakery-scented pheromones would have cinched it. Aziraphale let Crowley pick first seed, though probably taking a cue from their walk earlier, restrained himself to merely drawing out Crowley's chair before pottering to the other side of the table. Crowley tried, very hard, not to be charmed by the annotated review of the menu and the restaurant's history he was then subjected to, or that Crowley coyly asked if Crowley wouldn't mind terribly if he ordered for them both or the way the alpha's fingers kept creeping toward where Crowley had one hand resting on the table before skittering away as he recalled himself. It was just... Aziraphale just looked so pleased with himself, with Crowley, with the whole damn world at the fact that he'd secured a yes, however contractual, to a heat date and he showed it like a happy king, eagerly sharing his fine fortune with his beloved subjects. Everyone was my dear, and all the food was simply scrumptious, and everyone's day was asked after with genuine warmth and interest. By the end of the meal, 
Crowley was stuffed. He hadn't meant to eat as much as he did, but Aziraphale had kept exclaiming over each new dish with such enthusiasm that Crowley had found himself indulging his excited entreaties to try just a nibble of everything. And everything had, indeed, been scrumptious. Crowley didn't consider himself a picky eater, but he didn't enjoy food, and the act of eating as much as the alpha obviously did. Still, he'd found himself plucking up second and third bites of quite a few of the things brought out, much to Aziraphale's beaming pleasure. How was that, Crowley? He asked finally, as they stepped back out under the overcast sky. Crowley tucked his hands into his jacket pockets and smirked at him. Very well done, Alpha, he admitted. Because it had been. A place the Alpha had staked enough of a claim on, he could consider it home turf, the obvious endorsement of his character by third parties, and to find demonstration of his ability to care for and provide. Aziraphale grinned at him so hard his nose crunched. I'm so glad you think so. He batted his lashes enticingly. Would you consider indulging me in a few more dates before your time comes along? I quite enjoy your company too. And I relish any opportunity to learn more about a partner's fancies before such an intimate liaison. God's sake, did he even hear himself? Crowley didn't hold back the urge to roll his eyes, but he figured it was tempered by the exasperated smile he could feel creeping across his face. Whatever you like. Over the next two weeks, they met twice more in the park to commune with the ducks and linger over conversations as rambling as their straws. There were three more meals, one lunch and two dinners. Aziraphale took painstaking care to get his input every time, and Crowley didn't hesitate to make recommendations, but somehow kept ending up at restaurants where the alpha was fondly known by name. He was the epitome of old-fashioned gallantry, which in other alphas Crowley had met had tended to set his teeth on edge because, inevitably, it paved the way for wandering hands and the brush of fingers over places that Crowley very much did not like to have touched in public. Thanks. But their time together was demonstrating that Aziraphale was a researcher. His little notebook made frequent appearance over their talks, as he'd note down the preferences both serious and obnoxious. No 14th century roleplay, he'd written with careful flourish, while turning his shoulder to block Crowley's half-hearted swipes for book and pen. More than that, however, was what he noticed that Crowley didn't say directly or at all. That he didn't mind linking arms as they walked, but preferred to have his arms free. That he preferred to rest their ankles together under the table instead of holding hands. That he liked delicate flavors, unless something was sharply bitter or sour or spicy. And, above all, that while he didn't mind a bit of flirtatious banter, he did not like to be made aroused in public spaces. Especially since he'd made such a pointer to do about the wrist thing during their first date, Crowley had kept waiting for more trailing fingers and surreptitious nuzzling when they'd shared a firm hug before parting at every meeting. Somehow, Aziraphale had ferreted him out. When Crowley had awkwardly offered his wrist at the end of their second lunch date, the effort had enfolded his hand in both his own and given him both a gentle queeze 
and a soft entreaty not to push himself for Seraphil's sake. Crowley's saunter, as it made his way back to the Bentley, had been even more wobbly than usual, as he tried to process an effort taking more care with his boundaries than he did. He'd tried to work himself up into a good snit about patronizing efforts, thinking they knew what was best for a fragile Omega, but he couldn't get a spark of anger to do more than a fizzle. Perversely, he found himself itching to confide his reasons. I think I'm not used to it, feeling aroused, he declared in the middle of tea the following day. Or maybe not used to it being something out of my control. If I want to be aroused, I have to go to look for stimuli, don't I? He flung a hand out expressively. Don't have to worry about living my life, hanging about. Then suddenly some bit of all right with some nice plumage walks by and oops suddenly got a stiffy in the frozen isle of the Sainsbury's. Aziraphale carefully set down the teacup that had stalled out halfway through its journey to a mouth. Ah, I suppose those of us so afflicted rather get used to it after a while, build up a tolerance. Or maybe I'm like one of those people with crippling hay fever as an adult because they didn't roll around in the dirt enough as a kid. Not properly calibrated, yeah? He shrugged. In the right contexts, fine. Otherwise, it's like unearthing a dildo from a sofa cushion when your nan's over for Sunday dinner. Awful. Aziraphale snickered. I take your point, he said and then his smile relaxed into something warmer. And I very much appreciate the insight. We've been here a whole hour, and you've only taken three notes. Gotta keep you on your toes. Thank you for indulging me. The thing of it was, Crowley realized during their third official restaurant date, Aziraphale wasn't exaggerating. He was the sort of alpha who delighted in catering exactly to his partner's preferences, especially if they were the hidden or undiscovered sort. Every morsel of food, dram of liquor or wine, or riling topic of conversation Aziraphale shared was like a tiny offering presented for Crowley's consideration. An indulgent hypothesis to be tested and the results dutifully recorded. And when Crowley found himself impressed or pleasantly wound up, the author would beam and wiggle and exude happy scent like a bird fluffing its feathers. It was unbearably adorable. Watching Aziraphale get excited and pleased in general was a goddamn delight but especially so when he was feeling smug over having successfully done something to please Crowley. And since Crowley found the Alpha's successes not just pleasing on their own merits, but doubly so because of Aziraphale's reaction, they were beginning to develop a sickeningly sweet virtuous cycle of pleasing and, in turn, being pleased. Crowley wanted to find it humiliating and he didn't appreciate the knowing looks he got from the waitstaff and other patrons when they were dining out together, but was finding it impossible to do anything but slouch further in his chair and greedily soak up the attention. The whole thing was going about a million times better than he'd ever had guessed, which was a relief overall, even if the intensity of his own response made him a little nervous. He was no longer dreading his heat. In fact, he thought he might end up actually enjoying it with a partner like Aziraphale. The realization made his chest tight, and a shiver of something only vaguely warm, but 
definitely excited shiver up his spine. Aziraphale, making lewd faces and noises as he finished off a small cup of truffle chocolate mousse, wasn't helping. It made him want to tuck on Aziraphale's pigtails just a bit. I like your hands, he admitted quietly, just loud enough to be heard across their two-top over the noise of the other patrons and the piano playing in the lounge. Aziraphale froze, quite comically in Crowley's opinion, with a spoon lodged in his mouth. With a slight clatter, he set it on his plate and grabbed for his napkin. Pardon, my dear, I'm not sure I heard you correctly, he said, unnecessarily patting his mouth clean. Crowley smirked and tapped his snakeskin shoe against the side of the Xerophil's broke under the table. You heard me, he protested, and grinned with too many teeth. Well, Aziraphale exclaimed, and then set his hands down flat on the tabletop and studied them with the air of someone discovering opposable thumbs for the first time. A little perturbed line appeared between his eyebrows, and Crowley could practically hear the gears turning on his pretty little head. It's not attraction like you'd usually think of it, Crowley said. To forestall any twist, Aziraphale was quietly winding himself up into. I don't look at them and get directly hot and bothered, but they're sturdy, right? Strong, fingers nice and thick. When I think about what we're going to do together, I can imagine how they'll probably feel, how effective they'll be. The anticipation is good. Aziraphale stared at him, eyes wide, and blushed, bright and hot. His scent deepened, and Crowley could practically taste whiskey fumes on the back of his tongue. He grinned and tipped his chin up slightly to draw attention to his neck. Another tiny tease. Not too much. Aziraphale looked like he might combust with how intensely he was looking at the join of Crowley's neck. He knew his scent gland was just barely visible under the peekaboo cover of his open collar shirt and scarf. The obvious effect he was having was satisfying on a bone-deep level, which wasn't uncommon when he was interested in someone. The answering spark of hunger he felt deep in his guts as he breathed in Aziraphale's very interested scent was, though. His heat was coming up then. Probably just a matter of days. Someone laughing brightly across the room broke the tension between them, and Aziraphale blinked rapidly and shifted in his seat, coming back to himself. He cleared his throat, and then again for good measure, before saying, Duly noted, my good chap. Oh no, Crowley might have broken him. Gonna make a note in your book? He teased, and that earned him a reproving look almost instantly. Obviously, Aziraphale said, and fast with the cutlery and the position of this empty port glass. Obviously, Crowley echoed, lightly mocking, but still smiling wide. It's gonna be soon, he admitted, starting to get a little feisty. Not preserve me, if this is you merely feisty, Aziraphale muttered, and tried to take a sip from his pot, before looking at the dregs on the bottom of the glass in bemused betrayal. Crowley couldn't help the bright laugh that tumbled out of his mouth at the Force expression, which was a little embarrassing, but overall worth it for the dazed smile Aziraphale gave him in return. 2.30 
to be continued in chapter 3.